And now, do you like Prince movies? Hey everybody, this is Do You Like Prince Movies? I'm Alec Papadimus. Wesley Morris uh, can't talk because I just pointed him to the uh, R-rated section of the Kim Kardashian book. And so I'm going to be... I, uh, we're not we're not filming this. You should see Wesley's face. <laughs> I mean, I cannot... I mean... Okay, some things to to report about myself before I go into like why this is shocking to me. Thing number one is, yes, I have seen naked women before. This is not this is not a shock. I think the way in which so I didn't finish the book. Like I got to page two hundred and thirty seven, and I just was thinking, oh, I'm so charmed by this book, and then. Uh, you know, and I was just telling, I, I held up the book to you and I said, I really like this book. I think this book is, 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 uh, it's, it has charmed me. It is wonderful. And, and what did you say? Did you get to the, well, you started did you get to, to the X to R rated photos? Yeah. You started to, to, uh, you, to admit to me that you'd not had time to read the whole thing, which is, oh you yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, I took me, I took some time with it too, because I had to keep stopping. Like I, you also, you people listening at home cannot see my copy of this book, but there's literally a post-it on every other page. Wesley, you can sort of, if I can. Yeah. It's like you're (laughs) teaching this book to a bunch of college kids. By the way, I am available to teach this book to a bunch of college kids, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, no. So I, and I said, oh, did you get to the, because I, I did last night. I had no idea. Remember if we, we talked last week, I told my story of trying to buy this book and it being behind the counter in a, in a sort of prurient kind of way wrapped in plastic and i was like oh that's odd but i figured they just didn't want me to steal it or something you know they want people to you know shoplift it but they don't you know not that they want people to shoplift anything at a barnes and noble but no it's behind the counter for a reason it's behind the counter because there is a section in the middle of the book and you can see when you look at it there's uh all the the the, the gutters you know the non-photo parts of the page are white but then there's some some after dark there's like a this book has like a red light district in the middle of it. Um, can where I just all tell you, nudity is. First Kim of all, we uh, have we have an, we have a small item of business. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn is selling this just on the table. They have wow. an unwrapped version. Not behind. I went behind the counter because of the story you told last week. <laughs> I was like, well, surely it's just going to be too hot to have on the on the table. Especially like, on the I, yeah the patrician East Coast, they would want to you know, keep it under wraps. You know the, the puritanical uh, Brooklyn. So I went behind. I went to the counter. By the way, Barnes and Noble at eleven a.m. on a Tuesday. Hopping, <laughs> hopping. Barnes and I Noble mean, going up on a Tuesday. You would say, like <laughs> the new releases are flying off the new release table. Like you know, Harley Julevetus is just like th- like you know selling those books. Books it's crazy now more than ever. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, but here's the thing: I went to my local bookstore first. Barnes and Noble is my my backup bookstore, but um, they didn't have it. I tried to get it there, and the guy, to my surprise, was not like. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why he I didn't like, go to any of my local bookstores because I assumed that they would all laugh at me. But this is a Rizzoli book. It's 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 classically done. Although I did come to work today and bring it for all the boys at the office, um, and all, they were all quite astounded. Except they apparently all missed the middle of the book too. 
um, because their ast- their their level of astounded astoundedness was not quite. It, it oh my god. <laughs> I just can't even believe this. And some of them are kind of disgusting. I mean, I mean, at least. Uh, all right, I should rephrase this. I I do not find some of these appealing. And you know, like on page two eighty and two eighty one, and it's not because of of my own sexual orientation. It's just like they're not appealingly laid out. And there's a way in which uh, she is made, like her body parts, her selfie body parts are made to look somewhat foreign and unpleasant. Um, and I don't know if the intent of some of these photos is eroticism or... I mean, some of them are because some of them are very sexy, like the wet T-shirt. I don't know. I, so, I, but Lindsay, our designer, uh, our, one of our you know our great designer, Grantland, pointed out that it's just a badly designed book and that you know there are parts in which you can't quite see what's happening in the, like the doubles the double page images you can't quite make out what's going on yeah there's uh, like, information being lost in that in that gutter in the middle uh and it doesn't really it doesn't yeah it doesn't lay flat you kind of have to unless you sort of you have to crack the spine you know which is i, I my problem with hardcover in general as a thing but i think what's interesting one of the things that's interesting to me i think you're right about those you know these uh sort of erotic images that they're they're sort of weird depending on your taste they may not be all that erotic as they sort of look they have that underwater quality you know yes. of cell phone photos but she also she also reprints the pictures that were of her that were leaked in the Sony hack that's uh, or the or the iCloud hack uh, it's on Which page, page 282 and 283 283. She writes in her uh, caption, uh, I wasn't intending to put these in the book, but saw them online during the iCloud hack. I'm not mad at them. LOL, they are taken with a BlackBerry, and I don't have iCloud, dot, dot, dot. It's all a mystery. So on page 282, what we're talking about is Kim Kardashian West in her bathroom, uh, just stark naked uh, with her with her, with her her butt and her and her breasts. Near there's a bidet on, on page two eighty five. It's her a bidet, her nakedness, her phone, um, the the natural light, um, which I would assume is the own well whatever, uh, the natural light, <laughs> and you know I I, I I I hate to sound so flabbergasted, but I you know it's funny because as we discussed last week, the other thing that I'm thinking about as I'm reading this book is sex, the Madonna book, yeah, and. I was much younger and yet somehow less shocked. I mean, that book is shocking. I mean, I, I, I still have my copy. And well, it's now it's shocking kind of to I mean, it, I actually have never I've never seen I've, I've seen all the pictures from it. And I've seen because it was online at one point. And I was like, oh, I've actually never seen that. You know, so I, I, I should have brought up. that with me. that would have actually been has yours fallen apart at all. I heard there was a there was a problem. I remember they were they were they, they were prone to uh the this whatever it was the binding right was uh yeah badly designed. Lindsay would have hated that too it's weird that they haven't ever sort of reprinted that i mean, i feel like the thing about the madonna book that's weird now in retrospect is the amount the, the the celebrity cameos that are in there and the people that she roped into this project that was so scandalous and then everyone who participated i was just thinking about it because i was listening to the uh 
Karina Longworth, you must remember this podcast over the weekend uh, on the Isabella Rossellini episode talks about her appearance in that book, which I'd forgotten all about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's and, like, great. By Big the way, Daddy that's Kane a great podcast. There. That's a great podcast. And Big Daddy Kane is not on that podcast, but he is in Madonna's sex book, as is Vanilla Ice. Yeah. As is Udo Kier, right? Like, there's yes. a lot of... So, like, that was a real project, and, like, that was theatrical and it was you know created and this this is going like eventually you get to the point where she knows that she's doing a book of selfies and there's a lot of selfies that are very strange because they're obviously professionally lit and designed i mean like there's you know there's a a, they don't all feel verite anyway because she's most often taking these pictures when she's going into or coming from a photo shoot kim and so, like, her makeup will always be – she's camera ready in these pictures. And so it is a non-professional photograph of someone who's been professionally made up. Um, can I talk about my favorite uh, – my some of my favorite ones? Absolutely. I have a few favorites as well. I have some uh, um, photographically and otherwise, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about number – page 378. Now, I just discovered this while we were, <laughs> while we were talking. Number three – on page 378 – um, the, the, the actual beginning of this of this of this series of photos is on 379 mm-hmm. um, and she says the, the the text is another bikini tile and selfie. I matched with the wall. Any excuse, right? And it's her in a bikini standing against a wall. I guess glued with or uh, decorated with Delft uh, crockery, like plates and saucers and bowls. And cups, and I have to say, she looks incredible. And as a as a as a photograph, it is quite beautiful, and it's very striking. Um, I think it's interesting because yeah, there's some amazing photographs in here, and there's some there's I I forget where it is, but there there's there's one there's a couple of very very deliberate no makeup shots where you're like, oh wow, I forgot that she's actually a very beautiful woman in in real life and that she's a pretty good photographer of Kim Kardashian that's the other thing mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. actually think that she might be the you know the kind of the Ansel Adams of taking pictures of her, Kim Kardashian <laughs> in a weird way <laughs> like you look you know like go like for those of you playing along at home um like i think page 362 that's a legitimately great where the photograph photograph of a celebrity you know and i sort of i wondered about this and i wondered like why you know Oh wow! See? Wow! It is it is Kim Kardashian West on at a pool on she's either on a the she's either on a something. on a board or she's on the 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 deck kickboard and it's pool pool time selfie in Thailand and she it's like Liz Taylor or or something. Yes, yeah, she has. I mean, she there's the there is one there's mascara here. running. Yeah. There's one in here where she's posing in front of that picture of Liz Taylor with the uh, towel on her head and the the diamond. Like she's recreating that in front of that, standing in front of that picture. I don't know where that is. It's in here. Um, we're it, it, yeah, indexing the whole thing. Yeah. No. I mean, I. So there's this movie. I don't know. If, did you see Welcome to Me? The no. the Kristen Wiig wins yet. the lottery and buys herself a talk show movie. Not yet. It's it's on demand, I believe. Uh, it's really, I really, really like it. Kristen Wiig is great. The supporting cast is great. But this woman has a mental illness. Uh, I believe she is. Um, she's seeing a, a therapist. I believe she's on psycho, psycho something drugs. Um, 
and her diagnosis is, I think, bipolar. Um, and she's definitely a cl- classical clinical narcissist. And in buying herself this talk show, she sort of exercises all her demons. She, like, relives past traumas. It's like a daytime talk show. It's like what Saturday Night Live would make fun of, okay. except this person has turned, like, the that, that attitude-style daytime talk show into Pee-wee's Playhouse. And at some point, this grad student expresses interest in the Kristen Wiig character and says, you know... You just, rem- I mean, what you're doing with this show just really reminds me of, of Cindy Sherman. And Kristen Wiig's character says, who's that? And the guy goes, oh, my God, you don't know who Cindy Sherman is. Makes me love you even more. And so I'm reading this book thinking, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if Kim Kardashian West has thoughts about Cindy Sherman and the Cindy Sherman stealth selfie re- self-reinvention project. Yeah, I was th- I was thinking about Cindy Sherman too, and I was thinking I was thinking about Nan Golden also, which is obviously oh, the, some of these are Nan Golden, the, it, like not in terms of the content necessarily, no, but just well, in terms of that you know, like things like framing and lighting and stuff like that that like was unusual when Nan Golden was doing it is na- for for art photography is now you know I, I don't know I was looking these are all inexact references, and I think when I Google imaged all that stuff. It's true. I but- don't think they're that inexact. They're actually pretty right on. You're right. Like some of these Nan Golden-esque ones, some of the less flattering ones that she's decided to include, like I would say page 330 of her and Kanye West in a bathroom where he looks bloated and unhappy. Oh, I love that one. That's one of my favorites. See, the weird thing is that I'm such a nerd about this that like I, there are the ones in here where I was excited to see. I was like, oh, I know that one. And then you see the outtakes. <laughs> you know, because she does she does a lot with like she'll she'll be like, here's the famous like white bathing suit picture you've seen. And here's all the, the discards from that shoot. But, yeah, the one of them right. in the bathroom is one of my favorite pictures of uh, two famous people in a long, it's, long time. It's the American Gothic of of American narcissism. It's the one where he's wearing the Amer- the big uh, uh, screaming eagle tank top and the gold chain. And, it, she you know, she has that. It's the uh, Yeezus tour. Uh, yeah, I mean, backstage. that is a Grant Wood level <laughs> selfie, I would say. But no, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about. Yeah, the, the the idea of the fact that you don't know Cindy Sherman makes me love you even more. The difference between this and the Madonna book is that that is, for all its provocation, the Madonna book was Madonna is another example of Madonna sort of annexing a field of art and declaring herself you know the same thing as you know i'm going to be an actress i'm going to be all these things i'm going to do that and this i don't know i don't know that this proceeds from any desire to be taken seriously or right. anything yes. like that it's just a fun just a fun kind of book of selfies and yet it works i found myself i was taking notes putting post-its and everything but i found myself sort of paging through it and like you know getting into just the pace of it and actually being you know drawn forward and forgetting to take notes at certain yeah. points like That's it's actually really. For, I, I agree with the with uh, Lindsay's criticism of the uh, some of the uh, layout, but in terms of the flow and the pacing and everything, like you do, you know, you get pulled along. I will also say that some people had the reaction uh, in the office today of saying that they wanted to take a shower at, by like page seventy nine, and I was surprised by that because I did not feel that way. Even having skipped ahead like ten pages to get to the black pages um but it is coded in a weird substance that that is like 
pre-shower for you? I don't know. Like, you don't need to want to take a shower because whatever this book is printed in is coded in something that makes you feel like you have to, which is a strange, a strange response. Um, I don't know. I really – oh, can we talk – 352, yeah. I also am a fan of, um, where she is also looking great uh, in front of um, what what looks like a, a tapestry with coins of some kind mm-hmm. or or maybe um i don't know they're they're an old man i don't does she explain what this what this is no it's unfortunately, from thailand no. 352 is interesting though because that is not where is the where is the camera in that picture since she's holding her phone in her hand yeah there's a few of these where you're it's you know where it's pushing the definition of selfie a tiny bit which I know is a, we're starting to add water to that word in general, but like because we're saying like oh a, a, a picture with eighteen people in it can be a selfie like I don't know uh, right I think um, it's interesting well, that she's now the, the, you know here is somebody who you are you are allowed to disdain you are allowed to think of as you know it's we don't have a lot of low culture left and Kim Kardashian mm. is one of the few things that still is reliably like you can score points by sort of making fun of her. And saying, you know, like being like, we're, we're, you can, you know, we're better, we're better than that as a, as a culture. As a My people. local bookstore is definitely better than that. Yeah. See, there you go. But, you know, and she has, I think it's interesting that she has embraced what is, and she sort of, you know, put her name on and put her name behind and put out this book of selfies, which is the most, it's the, it's the form of picture taking that is on the verge of being criminalized and in, in many places is actually against the rules. It's because of the selfie stick obviously has forced this issue. Yes. But it's weird that that's – that we have one – there's one kind of picture taking that's the – you know, the, the, we've been taking pictures as a, you know, as a race of people as since, you know, we invented the camera. However long that is, we've been taking pictures in front of things and like being like, stand over here and I'll take a picture of you or we'll find a stranger to do that. And like, that's all good. But there's something about the act of going like this in front of things and the fact that the default type of picture taking that takes place in beautiful places is no longer pointing the camera at the thing, but positioning yourself in front of it and then taking a picture of yourself with the thing behind you. Right, right, right. And we are trying – there's something about that that is – people feel is – because it's not about the stick. It's not about, oh, we might – selfie. somebody's selfie stick might bump into Michelangelo's David and, you know, crack it or something like that or might poke a hole in the Mona Lisa. Like that's not <laughs> what we're actually worried about. There's something just déclassé about it and like, you know, the, the places that have banned it, if you look at the list of places that have banned the selfie stick, it's a list of – like, It's the Met. It's the, it's the Met. It's Museum high of, cultural Museum institutions. It's like people right. holding the line against a certain kind of, you know, gum chewing, backwards hat, baggy pants culture that whatever it is, like we have tourists. Sort of added tourists and we've added the selfie stick to that. But it's tourists. It's anybody who's a tourist in their, you know, in life, in their yeah. in their behavior. Yeah. So I like that she has embraced it and she has packaged this, you know, the, the, this high class sort of, you know, it just it just seems like she's just chopping right through. You know that that expectation. I was also surprised by how it only cost twenty dollars. Yeah, I mean that might explain some of Lindsay's misgivings, but it is priced humanely enough for pretty much anybody with a little bit of disposable income who wants this book to have it. Yeah, I mean, how much was the Madonna book? It was probably like oh, bucks, it was right? like, like fifty bucks or something. Yeah, we, maybe and, even more than that. 
at a time yeah and at a time when it was not yeah exactly this is not like it's not like she's putting out some kind of really you know crazy tash and coffee table book that's you know supposed to be high-end although it's it's you know it's classy it's classy looking it's not pink you know no 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 um anyway i'm i'm glad you made me get it i'm actually it was funny i i didn't know when i was looking for the book uh i i there's a table in the bookstore uh i might with with the name african-american interests oh the funny yeah i i I might have i might have looked on the table for uh on that table for this book i I was a little surprised that it wasn't there i spent a lot of time yeah because before i realized that it was behind the counter i kind of looked through the whole bookstore and you're like okay so here's uh it's not in what teens are reading it's not in African American interest. It's not it, 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 like, and you just look like gifts for mom, you know, because it was it, it was the weekend before Mother's Day, and you're sort of looking around, and like it was every time you looked at a different table that had a sign, it was another sight gag. Like, wouldn't it be hilarious if you got a bunch of copies of the Kim book and just put it there, you know, like new yeah, like yeah. N- new age guidance, you know, like things <laughs> things like that. Yeah, just, just take it. all the all the copies you have of this book, Barnes and Noble, and just put them on every table. Yeah, somebody or just people going to Barnes and Noble. Like, I encourage you to kind of drop lift this into uh, you know like the self help section and things like that. Um, I was I did look in the photography section. It's not there. <laughs> they were not. Oh, it so there. interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. there are so many places you could put this book. But it's like anyway, yeah, it you know, is, is, does it go in movies? Does it go like there's no sort of <laughs> celebrities who are outside of the music and film category, like do not have a real home? You know, I think it will. It'll, it's going to the only place I can really think of it other than photography. It's going to end up in cultural studies. It's going to end up next to like Eric Schlosser, you know, and like, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in there with like, you know, that section where it's like the, it's like that sort of catch all section. It's all my favorite kinds of books. You know, it's like the nonfiction that's not about that's not about war, you know. It's fast food nation and Kim Kardashian West selfish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That's that where I would me. file it in the, the bookstore of me. Anyway, uh, Kim Kardashian's uh, selfish on, on shelves somewhere in certain local bookstores. Now, uh, when we come back, the end of mad men. One, two, three, four. Mad Men characters most likely to put out a coffee table book of their selfies. I mean, is is Megan not? She has to be number one. Yes, she's got less to work with. <laughs> well, also but, the cameras were much bigger back yeah. then. It'd be much harder. She's to got more to work with and less to work with at the same time. Yeah. After number two is Harry Crane, obviously. Clearly, <laughs> Harry Crane would would sext so much. He would just not. They would never. He would just get on that computer. That computer. I would have said wheels. Stan. <laughs> Stan's. Yeah. No. That's true. That's true. He'd be sketching. He'd be sending erotic sketches of himself through the. You mail. know what's funny? We could we could maybe do five other characters before we got to Joan. <laughs> no, Joan would not. Come on. She would never. No, that's what I'm saying. Joan would be very savvy. I think about the cloud, and she'd be like, "Nuh-uh, no way." You can. This is you, you. You have see this at home, but you don't. Yeah. No. There'd be none of that. I feel like. Right. Um, I think she'd be very. She'd be very smart, given you know today's technology. If we're saying you know somehow they're transplanted here, which is could be the plot of the final episode. 
Um, <laughs> we haven't uh, talked about the show uh, in a while. Actually, we've been sort of, we've been we've been holding back for some reason. It's been two years. Has it been? No. Mm. Last time we really talked about it, it was it was dawn. Oh, it was the dawn year? Yeah, that's true. That it was, was the, the only dawn year. that was the last time we actually uh, weighed in on this. Which would have been what season five, season six? I don't even. I can't keep track of what the seasons actually are. Well, that's the so, other, and yeah, it's this is season is, is either is this season eight or is it season seven? Is it ha- the second half of season seven? Which is yeah, come on with that. I'm fine to I'm fine to play Matthew Weiner's game. I think it's AMC's game or AMC's game, Weiner's whoever's game. game it is. I'm still wondering. Um, I'm curious to see what uh, if we'll ever find out what the circumstances were. Who would have ended it when, given their uh, their their druthers? I had a feeling when I was watching some of the uh, McCann stuff that 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 felt like Matthew Weiner uh, sort of putting his side of the story out there. Ooh, you know, in terms that's of, a good read. I don't know that I have no idea. I'm so bad at close reading this show, and maybe <laughs> I'm so bad because so many other people are so good at it, like Molly Lambert and Tom and Lorenzo and Starly Kine. There's so many good close readers of this show, and that, my friend, that is an excellent close read that I'd like to see you further unpack. I would have to go back and to, to cite exactly what I'm talking about, but I think there was there was a moment when. I think sort of the explanation of, you know, when they're being folded into McCann, that that sort of that felt like when they decided they basically decided that we can't we can't run this, you know, this ship anymore as a, you know, as an autonomous entity. I'm not sure exactly. I, I, I would have to actually revisit and like figure out what I'm. But I, I had the general feeling, you know, of sort of, of it, it being watching Roger sort of, you know, not wanting to leave that building. I mean, obviously, like, this is very much like this This last season has been very much about all these actors and Weiner and all these writers and people saying goodbye to the, you know, the experience of doing this show. You know, and somebody, right. pointed, somebody pointed out how much, which is obvious, but, like, how much the abandoned Sterling Cooper office looks like a set. You know, mm. it looks like it's... Yeah, no, like it does. Something that they're building, you know, and it just looks like, you know, like the plasterers are not done, you know, building that whole thing. I'm. Have you read? I know. I. This is going to be embarrassing for me to like bring this up without actually knowing the answer. But that that episode where Roger is playing the organ and Peggy mm-hmm. is sort of roller skating around the, the the what would be a set. That is the. I mean, God forbid that people should can like you know find some other movie reference beyond Fellini, but that to me was like a legitimate usage of Fellini-esqueness yeah. to me. And I actually found that to be quite beautiful. I like that, yeah, there is a... I like when the, I, the, the forays into surrealism on this show never bother me. They're, they never feel... they never It never feels like Northern Exposure to me. You know, right. oh, it never feels... It never feels twee in that way. Like when you have, you know, like it, 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 to have Burt Cooper appear in the, in the passenger seat of Don's car... When he's right. sleep deprived and oh, I like that live driving to Racine, and you know even the you know the the Burt Cooper musical number, I think that's uh, you know I'm all I'm all for that kind of stuff. I feel like it's I, I thought like that was well wonderful. You know, but you know, it's, it's you, the kind of thing that if it lasted forever and it happened every week, you'd be annoyed by it. But, right. But that was a weird thing about something like thir- uh, uh, Six Feet Under, right? Where y- it began as a show that would always do that. And then dialed back on it and figured out ways to deploy the surrealism 
and the sort of internal dream spaces of these characters so that they actually had some value and meant something. Yeah. But I, so, okay, how are you feeling about the show in general? Like, the show is going to end this coming Sunday. It's the last episode. Um, do you think it should I mean, do you think the last episode was as, as a lot of people do and I think I do too the scene where he takes the kids to the house um, and shows them that you know this is where this is where I grew up the end of season of the last half season, season or whatever it season was season six the, or yeah the Hershey yeah. Pennsylvania scene what about that what you were you, you were asking a question did that not feel like the end of the show to you, or did you feel like there was still something else that could have? Well, look, I feel like happened. this season has been all endings, right? It's been they've been mm-hmm. discarding the potential endings, the possible endings. Some of those things are conspiracy theories, and some of them are stretches, you know. And they're things that they were never going to do. Like it would have been ridiculous if this show that begins every week with a montage of a, a man shape falling from buildings if it ended with don draper jumping out of a window like that would be stupid and everyone would be mad (laughs) so that's it's not going to end that way any more than it was going to end with megan being murdered by the manson family you know which is another thing that i feel like was out there i liked that theory i thought maybe i I mean it but i didn't ever think that was going to be what they did you know it's just so i agree it's so obvious it would have been like you know i mean like what the one thing that we can discern from having watched this show for eight seasons or seven seasons or however long you want to say it is it, you know it was never going to end with oh it's going to end with the moon landing or it's going to end with something like that you know like they had like 1969 or the end of the 60s was off camera like that just sort of that happened in a gap between seasons you know like right. they've avoided they've if they can't find a way to sort of you know like when they had the, the when they did the you know the Kennedy assassination was Ro- was Roger's daughter's wedding and so it, instead of being about a bunch of people just reacting to that it was about it ruining the wedding which is a great way to handle something like that because it's a different approach to that whole thing so they're not going to do anything you know i, I you know i think that Weiner has a kind of a pride about avoiding the obvious in most of these things yes and so i but it's been interesting to watch because a lot of these things could have been endings, right? Like a lot of these things could have been last episodes. Like, and it's almost like he—I mean, in a way, he's giving people. It's like if this is the Joan show, that's the final episode of the Joan show, right? Like in the mm-hmm. parallel universe where the main character of this show is Joan Harris Holloway or Holloway Harris or whatever. Yeah, that's that's how that one ends. And like, if it's the you know if it's the Peggy Olsen show, like we will probably get some kind of a Peggy moment in this finale, I assume. But that. You know, much her walking down that that corridor of her walking down that hallway into into the future, whatever that is, whatever uncertain future she's walking towards. But like with, you know, with confidence like that is that's like a little grace note for the end of this. And I almost thought, you know, watching last week or this week, this past Sunday, this penultimate episode, you know, it's. You know, deals with it, it dispenses, it, you know, in a kind of dark way. Like there's the other theory has been, oh, Don is, you know, all these years of smoking and doing cigarette advertising and he's going to die of lung cancer, which would be a very sort of just real dark O. Henry-ish kind of ending. But then that's what happens. You know, it's basically what happens to Betty. So it's, you know. Of all people, too. Okay, of here's all the question. the smokers on the show. Here's a question. I want to say, so just to finish the thought that the end of that episode, the end of the penultimate episode 
literally Don at the crossroads, giving up the last sort of almost the last vestige of his identity. All he has left now is this Sears bag. That could have ended. That could be the end of the show as well. I feel like they've been working their way through sort of potential endings to get to whatever the actual ending is. And they've been discarding these other endings that are possible Mm, for mm, that thing. mm. Like it's something is going to have to happen. It's like, I feel like there's a, you know, Don and Sally. I feel like there's sort of, that's the, the, that's the arc that's important at this point. But here's what I want to, like, we've been talking about this at home. And like, after the, you know, my wife and I, after this episode, like we were talking a lot about it. There's been over the years on Mad Men, there's been one of the sort of theories that's been out there is that, Matthew Weiner had, for whatever reason, either doesn't like January Jones, doesn't like Betty. When Betty was in the fat suit, that seemed uh, that struck a lot of people as something sort of mean on Weiner's part to do to January Jones. And her general sort of sidelining as the things move forward, whatever the story purpose of it was. I think uh, last week pretty much convinced me that that read is entirely wrong. And I started thinking about all the things that he has given her to play over the years and all of the great, like (laughs) the great lines that she has had, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's, uh, you know, I don't think that that's as thankless a part as some people have been, uh, have said over the years. I think that was, it's interesting. I'm, I'm thinking about, did that. So basically what I'm asking is, did that turn of events make you look at Betty and those sort of her role in the show and, and January Jones's role in that show in a different way. I have to say, um, you know, it's funny. A lot of people talk about the show in a personal way. Like this show reminds me of my childhood. This yep. show reminds me of my dad. This show reminds me of X number of things. Um, I haven't, I, I never watched that show this way. This show has nothing to do with my life. And when it tried to, in some ways, it was a miserable failure and and so glad that they changed their mind. Um, but there is there was something about that episode on Sunday. Joan finds out she's got she's she's got cancer. Betty does. All of yeah. the I'm sorry, Betty, yeah. sorry. Betty finds out she's got cancer. And what it does to Henry, who I thought I would never see again, Henry, who I have an enormous crush on. <laughs> Henry, who is of all the men on this show, Henry is the one I, I I find it hardest to resist. I can't even explain why that is. He's the most, well, he's the most decent human in a lot of ways. Well, you know, he's also kind of a jerk, too. He's kind of, Look, he's a jerk. He's a jerk about the fact that his wife used to have sex with Don Draper. Which... <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. It's a good point. Um, I think that's I, a, I, it's legitimate that you'd be a little bit weird about that. That you'd sort, you'd, you'd be like, "Oh, come on, he's got, the, this guy's coming over again." Like, also, he's a you know he was into uh, he was super into Betty sexually when he met her and she was pregnant. That was yes. weird. So that's if you find that you know depending on your judgment of those things, he seemed to have a he was like he really he fell for her in that moment. But you also sort of felt with that marriage that it wasn't going to last, and it did. Yeah. And I, I think I don't know. I think Henry's a solid guy, and seeing him break down with Sally in her dorm really moved me. And the situ- in this in the in the position that it placed Sally in as an adolescent now having to deal with what is this like really terrible transition into adulthood and adult responsibility was also jarring to me, but. In terms of Betty, she's the, perhaps the least scrutable person on the show. 
She is the person whose motivations don't correspond with any... There's no modern corollary for a Betty. She is between times. Um, The tragedy of her getting cancer, within the context of the show, the tragedy of her getting cancer is she gets sick at the moment at which she has decided to change her life. She has decided to embrace a different side of herself and then she gets struck with she she finds out she's gonna she's got <laughs> very severe cancer. So initially, when she trips up the steps the first time, I thought and her excuse was, "Oh, my shoes hurt." I'm like, "Okay, maybe, but Betty, you're a model. You know, there's got to be something more to to it than that." We find out she's sick. She goes through the whole thing with she has that great moment with Sally. Um, she has that great moment where Henry is like too much of a man to do what he does with in front of Betty, what he does with Sally. And the last shot of her back at the school yeah, with, you know, with the books, what is she doing? What is she doing in that moment? I thought that was, well, I mean, that's, she's going through the motions because this thing is, it's important that she did this, even if she's not going to get to realize what that, you know the end result of going to school is you know yes yeah. but what is she physically doing in the last shot oh she's climbing stairs again she's going up the stairs yeah so it's like, like she's going to heaven that like was the most yeah. heavenly thing i mean that was so beautiful and i sat on my sofa and my eyes just welled up yeah. because i i don't know i mean i i i didn't realize i liked betty as much as i liked her i found her Me fascinating as a yeah. character but i really like that I mean, I love all the women on this show. I love Megan. I love Joan. I love Peggy. I love them all in different ways. But I think Betty is the one to perhaps most easily overlook your enthusiasm for because she, you know, she had less to do. But also she was sort of the, the, the least – her corollary wasn't the most flattering. She's a housewife who had no career. She didn't give anything up to be with John. Well, I guess she gave up her modeling career to be to, to be a wife and a mother, and that didn't satisfy her. But I think that last shot is—I mean, Burt Cooper's death I thought was—you know, the, his musical number I thought was beautiful, and I thought the way she descends that staircase um, to a place of higher learning at a place of higher learning was also really beautiful as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, talking about giving people an ending, like, you know, we may see her again, too. But that that feels like everybody gets a little bow as this as this thing has been has been wrapping up. But, yeah, and the Betty thing is, you know, I feel like this this season especially has been about and this show in general has been about this. But this season particularly has been about this has been about at what point is it too late to change your life? And to to sort of turn over the table and start over, and like you see in in Don, you have this character who's willing to do it constantly. Like it's right. never too late. You can always sort of walk out. On he whatever. gives that lecture to the con artist. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, don't that start was great. out. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And he's constant. He's he just made a new Don Draper in that moment. Like he's you know you have to carry on. You know the the thing. It's like you know the you know, like you're Green Lantern now. Here's the ring, but like. And so everybody else, you know, is dealing with this 
in different ways. Like Roger is sort of like, this is it for me. Like that floor that he's going to at McCann is like a nursing home. Like this is the end. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Peggy gets this opportunity to sort of to, you know, to go in there and, and redo it, you know, and like everybody sort of, fa- you know, faces that thing. Like, and, you know, with Joan, it's like she's holding on to this former existence that she's eked out for herself instead and like has to be sort of pushed to make that choice. You know, and there's actually pushing in the Roger thing, too, as a matter of fact, about being pushed off the deck. But with, you know, and I think like the Betty thing gives that some teeth, right? Because there's what it's saying is there might be a point where it's where it is too late you know and the the sort of pathos of it that she's still sort of she's going to keep going to school until she dies basically which is you know it seems like it's it's not going to be that long you know that's i feel like that's you know that that gave that some a feeling of some you know some stakes and some realness because it's if the if the answer is like you know you can keep doing it but like sometimes you can't you know and i think that's what's that's what's striking about it so i was surprised to you know because the whole like when you see in the you know the, the scenes from next week and you're like oh boy uh, Henry Francis scenes I'm really excited about that I've never plot wise they're never the most exciting you know she's always been and yeah. I think that's part of why she's not you know that Betty and January Jones are not the most beloved character and cast member because she's been off to the side for so long and like it's not where the action is you know out there in. Uh, Upstage. Also, she's one of, I mean, January Jones happens to be one of those actors who you're just never really sure where else that goes. And it was so, it's heartening to see her on The Last Man on Earth, for instance, mm-hmm. and to see her like do something that's very different from Betty. But when I've, when I've seen her do other things that weren't Betty, I've, like that Liam Neeson movie, I, uh, I think it was Unknown. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just like, uh, I, I like you better as Betty. Yeah. Um, so I've got a class. question. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, before we go, we'll just sort of talk about the what happens with this show not being on TV anymore. Like, is there I mean, as you know, I'm not totally up on my Game of Thrones, but I mean, what else from a from a richness of text standpoint do we have that is even close to this? I mean, The Good Wife, I guess you could say, has enough going on with it but it isn't to me as filmic and or as cinematic as as mad men um yeah and it has do you have anything well i mean the good wife yeah i mean and the thing about good wife is that it has the 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 scaffolding of a legal drama to hang things on it's still within mm-hmm. a genre it's like a it's a different take on that and i guess this is just an office show but no i don't know that there's anything i don't know if there's anything coming out that has cuz i've been really impressed with the the lack of you know, it. it's not it's this isn't fan servicey. It's just it's mostly been about theme. This whole mm-hmm. this whole last season has just been about, you know, I mean, you get like you get Joan sort of like, you know, somewhat burning down the house. And I think that's you know, that's a very sort of cathartic fan servicey thing to have happen. But even that is it's you know, it's not all that satisfying because she is leaving money on the table like and she's walking away. You know, she has kind of taken the loss. On that, I don't know that there's. I don't know that there's. I don't see other shows coming up that are just as interested in character and theme, without and to the point that like I mean, Mad Men sort of pisses people off, right? Because there's not enough plot sometimes, Mm -hmm. and the season Mm -hmm. has really. And some people have been like, really, that's what we're doing for the last season? You know, that we're not doing some kind of like six parter about like let's save the agency from McCann or whatever it is. Like that's just not what they're interested in doing as a show right. and I don't really see anything else 
emerging. I have I see things that I'm like, oh, that's what's going to take up my time, and what right. I'm going to be interested. You know, and I'm I'm kind of like I've been watching Halt and Catch Fire. You know, as a good like a good AMC citizen, I've been trying to you know like getting you know it's like, and it's very much like this is your new mom, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is, whatever it does, it does, it feels a little bit like you know they're not as good, they don't you don't really know you as well, and you don't really know them as well, and you know it sometimes she can't cook like my mom cooks. No, and it's it's a lot of like I'm enjoying I'm enjoying Halt and Catch Fire just as a pure you know I'm I'm inter- it's there's one thing that I want to write about that I'm that it, it's germane to, but I'm also enjoying uh, Lee Pace has the best crazy guy power moves. Of anybody oh, I've seen on television, that thing where it's like I'm going to do something so nuts in this moment that you're not even going to know why I'm doing it. So it's like they're like in the first episode, I think he's hitting baseballs inside of his block glass '80s porn apartment, and then in a subsequent episode, when he's uh, upset about something, he goes to a stereo store and turns up all the stereos, like and like all the way up. And there's this like Wagnerian thing, and the stereo store guy's like, oh, "I'm going to call the cops." Like I'm only on like five episode five. I assume that at some point he's going to go to a Home Depot and like poop in one of the toilets just to dominate the <laughs> Home Depot, just because he's like, "Look, I'm Lee Pace. I'm inventing the laptop. It's nuts." Um, yeah, but no, I don't have. There's nothing. I don't think I'm going to feel this way about another TV show for a long time, and I'm a little bit in denial about the fact that it's ending, and I don't think that it should end. But I think it, you know, even though clearly, it should, I guess I don't know. I mean, look, I I support going out before it gets bad. I'm in favor yes. of that. I'm in favor of going out before you're milking it because many of many TV shows that I've loved the most have gone on too long. And like we rewatched The Sopranos last year, and it was it's clear that that vamp season of The Sopranos hurts the show as a whole because it just that season of you know when it was just when HBO was just like no please keep making more of these like they just delayed what was going to happen. Right. But right. I would like to follow these people until they all die of old age or whatever it is. That's my that is my feeling. Like well, I would be perfectly if, fine with twenty eight seasons of Mad Men. If Alan Ball were doing this show, you get a great montage of each character's like last forty years. So, yes. <laughs> oh well. So you and I were gonna do an Alabama Shakes segment today, but we just we didn't have time, so we didn't do it, and. So I'm choosing as my jam of the week the second single off their album, their new album, Sound and Color, uh, Don't Want to Fight, which I think is such a great song because so many really, really great songs could either be a social consciousness song or it could be a relationship song. Who knows? And there are enough specific... It's not like Bruce Springsteen circa the 2000s where like you got a bunch of abstract things that didn't mean anything that could point... They could be relationships. They could be social protest. This is a song that is like equally both. Um, and I, you know, I love the musicianship on this record. I love the singing, her voice. Uh, Brittany, uh, Brittany, help me. What's I, her last name? I actually don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad that you're looking at me and I can't answer that question. Um, um. Anyway, she's got a it'll it'll come to me her voice. Um I mean her her name. Um but she is she's great. Brittany Howard is her name and I'm I'm ridiculous. Um her voice Brittany Howard has this amazing like Mack truck of a voice. 
but also there's so much drama in it and she's got so much control over it she can control every valve on the on the on the yeah. whatever keeps the water from from flooding from the dam or whatever it is like her 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 faucet control is amazing yeah. oh i know it's pipes they're called pipes her pipe control <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, no, it's no, amazing. No, she gets that falsetto going and everything. Yeah, somebody you're listening to somebody with an incredible, you know, command of their instrument that happens to but be. But not only player. that, but her sense of drama mm-hmm. is incredible. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like being able to sort of to illustrate an emotion that way is yeah. It's 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 it is amazing. And yeah, and it's really it's cool to hear that in the context of, you know, to hear a, like a band like this behind her and especially with this this production which actually like gives her so much space. To operate you know it's this weird kind of cavernous you know it's a little bit like the lana del rey record it has that kind of that you know sort of like you know echoey kind of like spaghetti western kind of quality to it yeah this is the song that sounds least like anything else on the record too yeah. um and it, it, it just i don't know i i think i love the whole record it works as a complete album and by the time you get to the last song you're just you're just in this really great place. Um, anyway, this is Don't Want to Fight. I'm Wesley Morris. I'm Alex Papademus. And we want to thank Joe Fuentes. We want to thank David Jacoby. We want to thank Bill Simmons, who is the best. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. What you like? What Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.